Hello, Bears fans. Welcome back to Bears on Tap. We got a full barn tonight. I am loose. He is juice. And the Q man, Q loose and juice. The Q is always loose and on the juice. No, that doesn't make any sense. Anyway, <laughs> folks, I'm excited. I hope you guys are to my panelists as well. I hope our listeners are as well. Gentlemen, it is finally game week for football. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm ready to run through every single wall that exists in my current <laughs> living space right now. Uh, but before we get everything football, Juice, Q, how you guys doing? What's up, boys? Happy Packers week. I'll let Juice go first. First time on the show in a while. Packers week, man. Yeah, no, I've been, as everybody knows, and on tap, I do a million freaking things for this website. And then plus there's all this other crap going on. In my life, finally got that all sorted out, but I'm ready. Back for football, man. I'm excited. I'm hopefully the Bears and us Bears fans can exercise some demons over the course of the last uh, couple years and get a get a victory at home. It'd be nice to for once in my life to go home from a Bears game chanting Green Bay sucks and that chant after beating them at Soldier's Field, my friend. I love it. I love it. Q, how you doing, buddy? I feel like a. I've had a, a Bob Dylan song stuck in my head all week. Just times are changing. You know, this this Green Bay skid that the Bears have been on for a decade might be done. And that's just exciting. Like whatever whatever may come this season, I think the Bears are set up to really be more competitive than the Packers in the near future and into the, hopefully the long-term future, but who knows? I don't have a crystal ball, but that's just exciting in and of itself. That it is gentlemen, guys, the time has come as friend of the program. Mr. Skokes here says it's Packers week. And like you guys said, right, this is, this is not your ordinary week one for the Chicago bears. They're not playing, you know, the, the the you know whomever you want it doesn't even fucking matter right they're not playing the baltimore ravens or the titans or some team that it's not a rivalry week one you see them all over the nfl right every year they're, they're, there's constantly ones they try to start you with a division opponent sometimes it doesn't work you know you look at like the the lions are opening up against the chiefs on thursday night that's a perfect example it's not a rivalry game should still be a fun football game but it's not a rivalry game you get we get bears packers at soldier field week one and again, like you guys both said, the times are changing because it really does feel like this Bears team is ready to not even crawl, run out from underneath the shadow that has been the Green Bay Packers for the last eight to ten years, probably. Uh, pretty much in the Rodgers tenure. It, it, it's it's going to feel good. Yeah. I mean, it, it's been a long time since this Chicago Bears team has – at least gone toe to toe with the Packers over the course of a season, whether it's record wise or even from a you know head to head standpoint as well. I mean, really, what 2018 and even then that year they still split the season series. Gents, before we get into this thing, we've noted on the last couple of shows, Bears on Tap's gonna have a little look, little different look, a little different feel this year. Um, not so much from us clowns, we'll still be here. You, you still get to see all of our pretty faces on the, on a weekly basis, but. We have our friends over at Bears Nation Pod that are going to give you the the post game breakdown and the pre game look ahead on Mondays and Wednesdays going forward. So we kind of want to be the 
the, the, the different taste. You're, we're the we're the exotic flavor of ice cream that you get once in a blue moon when you don't want chocolate or vanilla. All right, we're we're the we're the Superman ice cream in the in the middle that you're just like mm, I have a craving for that today. That's gonna be us. That's the goal here. And guys, we have a, a slew of topics that we want to talk about. All of them obviously game centric, but certainly things that have probably dominated either Bears fans' minds over the last couple of days, couple of weeks. And probably have been brought up in some way, shape, or form in the media as well. Um, so I think we should just dive right in if you guys are ready to dive right in. Because the first one I have, this this has been a topic all offseason between Bears Twitter and Packers Twitter. And I, I enjoy watching the Bears Twitter, you know, just kind of the bigger names, right? Illwill 79 and all those guys just dunk on Packers fans. But it's it's the Jordan Love versus Justin Fields debate. That's really what has, in my opinion, owned the Twitter, the rivalry Twitter space between these two teams for the last at least three and a half weeks, it feels like. So I want to kick it around the horn with you guys here. In week one, in this rivalry game, at Soldier's Field, as Juice said, who needs to have the better game in order for their team to come out on top? Q, want to hear from you first here. Um, I think it's in order for their team to come out on top. Hmm. I was thinking more reputationally, but so in order be that to way win, too. who has to have the better game? It's kind of a catch 22 because if I, I, I said it multiple times in the preview article I put out today, I just got done watching on tap like, on tap sportsnet.com, by the way, continue. Please. Yeah. I just got done watching like six different Packers games, all 22 of like trying to find the Jordan love bits and pieces and all this stuff. And, and on top of watching, you know, the Packers offense, their defense. And I do not think they're going to pass the football except for when they need to. And there, there's a very reasonable statement that could be made of like, if the bears can't stop the run without loading up the box Packers, probably win this game and I I think the Bears will find a way to do that but if that's why I say it's kind of a catch-22 because the way that the Packers win this game is the Bears aren't stopping the run which means that Jordan Love isn't doing a lot so I think I have to go with Fields for the who has to have the better game for their team to win Um, because if Jordan Love has to do a lot I don't think the Packers win but that's kind of weird too because if Jordan Love does a lot and does well Maybe the Packers do win. So I actually take that back. I think Jordan Love is my answer now that I, I've talked it through a little bit. Uh, because if the Bears are stopping the run, then it's all on him to perform, right? And that's so it, it's stopping the run for the Bears, like stopping the Packers run game is a bit probably more likely than the Packers stopping the Bears run game. Because the Bears, you got to remember, they're always playing 10 on 11. Because, I mean, you, you, I watched the Green Bay tape from last year's Bears game. They were spying the hell out of Justin Fields with Quay Walker. So you're literally playing 10 on 11. Um, so, yeah, it's Jordan Love. Because if, if they're stopping the run, it's still 11 on 11. I dig it. I get it. Juice, your thoughts on this question? Yeah, I kind of took that as reputationally, too. Because I feel like if Jordan Love comes out and outplays Justin Fields – there may be people jumping into Lake Michigan and not coming out again, man. It's it, it'll be 
it'll be house on fire if Jordan Love comes out, plays well, Justin Fields does not play well, and the Bears lose. Like, right? Like, we're all sitting here talking about this is our, our time to exercise demons or it's time to, you know, change the winds. The times are changing. If they don't change, God, man, it this this will this show will be brutal. Um, all of Chicago will be brutal. There'll be, you know, thoughts of, oh, man, like I there'll be people who are jumping towards next year's draft and looking at, all right, how. I mean, I'm already looking at the draft. And let's it continue. There will be there will be people who are just absolutely done with with this team, with this group. I think there's a lot of Bears angst. And I think it's surrounded, too, with, like, both sides really don't know what we're getting. This is the whole thing with preseason, too, right? They play vanilla coverage. They play, you know, vanilla offense. They don't show much. So, really, they muddy the waters of what you could look at as football fans. And we sit here and and we're trying to figure out, A, Justin Fields was handcuffed with no offensive line, no weapons last year. And Jordan Love hasn't had this experience yet. So there's a lot of what if. So I think that if you're if you're looking at reputationally, like Justin Fields needs to have the better game. To win the game, I kind of agree with you, Q, that like I think in terms of X's and O's, there's a route for Green Bay to win easily with you know Jordan Jordan Love being given things because the Bears are able to you know, stop certain, you know, parts of the run game. And the other thing too is like if the Bears aren't getting a pass rush, Jordan Love could realistically have a very solid game. If he's able to sit in the pocket, much like we watched, you know, Aaron Rodgers do time after time again, it's going to be a problem. Like the the Bears are going to have to up some pressure. I I watched your, your breakdown cue. And I think, you know, disguising coverages is something that you talked about often you know making him look making him second guess what he's seeing I think is huge it's going to be that for both sides though and that's why like just to round it out I think this game comes down to a special teams play here or a defensive you know touchdown one of those two breaks that you know kind of put one of these teams behind the eight ball that way these defenses can play in a certain way and kind of dictate coverages and dictate the way that the quarterback plays on both sides. Yeah. And I, and I have to agree with you guys both and fair. I, I think, right. The, the question does become very different when it's siloed into one week versus in terms of reputationally, like you both said, I think for, for this, for their teams to win, I truly do still think it is fields that needs to have the better game. And reputationally, obviously, I think as well, right, Juice? And you, you laid it out perfectly there with people jumping into Lake Michigan and, and not wanting to come back. I think this offense, I, I truly believe, or I want to believe, right? I, I want to sit here and I want to have this hope as a Bears fan, which is so freaking hard to do because we're Bears fans, that – Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus and company have an offense ready that is tailored to, to Justin Fields that still embodies what Getze wants to do, you know, schematically, right? 
where you're going to get him out maybe more on more rollouts. You get him out of the pocket. You move the pocket a little more. Truly establish the the pass off play action. I mean, really, this could be a game of the the Spider Man meme pointing at each other, right? Because they're this they're the same system. They're literally the same the same system. I don't know. I'm out here trying to break mics already, but they are run the football, pass off that play action, and go forward. But I think because of Justin Fields' X factor ability in this game, like you said, Q, Jordan Love can turn around and hand the ball off to Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon 35 times. And if the bears can't stop the run, they're SOL. But if Justin Fields can do anything that, that we've been teased with to Justin Fields, like I don't even think it's just a win for the bears. I think it's a big win for the bears. If that ends up being the case, like I think it could be 10 to 14 points or more. I really do. And, and, and is that my homerism coming out in me? Probably. And I'm okay with that. I'll sit here and I'll own it if it ends up becoming a a freezing cold take on the old internet. But to me, Justin Fields has the better game. The Bears cruise with this one because we talked all offseason, right? They've they've upgraded their team to stop the run. And they've done a hell of a job with the additions they have on the front line. Now QB1 needs to go be QB1 and just torch this Packers team absolutely torch them because guys every single game really right there's a theme there's always a theme to games right like i i i I can run through each bears game last year and pick out a theme right the new england patriots game the theme they finally engineered the offense to justin field strong suits right the miami dolphins game arguably the the big breakout game for justin fields both on the ground and i i think to a fault through the air as well. What do you guys think the theme for a potential Bears win will be on Sunday? And this can go a bunch of different directions. This is why this is kind of fun. This is where you gotta you gotta put on your you know your your you gotta get your crystal ball out and you gotta put on your little creepy fortune teller's hat. What's the theme that this Bears team is going to accomplish? if they're going to win on Sunday. What what is your theme for them to win? Juice, we'll start you off and lead you off on this one. I think a theme for game one and then maybe for the season is maybe kind of learning to win too. You know, last year was more or less like, let's try to get as high up in the draft as we can so we can draft some playmakers and, and surround Justin Fields with, you know, some help. I think now it's time to flip the switch of having that quarterback take that next step. And I think that could be a theme for this game too. Maybe we look back at this and we say, now Justin Fields isn't just a runner. He's also a passer. You know, he's got these, you know, weapons and DJ Moore and and Claypool for a full season and and Mooney healthy. And they got some tight ends with Komet and and Tunyon, you know, to go next to that running game. Maybe now you look at it as the bears aren't that one dimensional offense that we thought they were where it's hand the ball off, keep it on the ground, stay out of trouble. I thought for a lot of last year, that's what it was because maybe they couldn't do a lot of the things that a normal NFL offense should be able to do. They didn't have the personnel for it. Now, more or less, you look at this year in the system, it's Justin Fields' second year in the system. I think that this is one of those games where you can look at and say, I want this game to be, when we exit it, to be like, all right, we're on the level two here opposed to, level one of this offense. 
And I know level two is going to scare people because Matt Maggie back in the day too, we're talking about, you know, the second course of Mitch Trubisky's, you know, type of, uh, of progression. But I think that there's a lot of similarities in that because they need to start adding different wrinkles to this. And there's no excuses for Justin anymore. Other than, I mean, I'm sure we could talk about the offensive line and the shuffling around there. That's something that I think is, is alerting and, and something that we will definitely have to watch for on Sunday. But the hope for the theme after this game is I'm hoping that it's, it's graduation. It, it, it's graduation day. And that's been announced. It's, these are the new expectations for this season because now we're on level two with this kid. And I think too, like it's, it's the little plays. And we talked about it over the off season. It's taking the check downs, taking the, the gimme three, four, five yards to set up that offense in second and five and, and short down and distance to make sure that, you know, you have a repertoire of, of plays I think that like winning on first down is just going to be huge in this game. It's going to be, they're going to have to get ahead of the sticks and stay on time to open up some of the things that they like to do with Justin. And they like to do with their playmakers because it's just, it's not a recipe for success with that offensive line and that green Bay front when they can just tee off. If they're in second and long and third and long, this is just not going to be a game that I think that the bears can realistically you know, play comfortably. And that's something that I, I just hope the theme for next, for this week and for most of the season is like graduation to level two here, because it's really going to be addictive of what we talk about throughout the course of the season, I think, based on like what happens in these first couple of weeks, because they've hidden behind this, you know, no showing in camp. And now it's like, all right, it's real football now. These games matter. Let's let's see what you got, and I think now it's it's more or less. I want that graduation. I'm I'm definitely you know fiending for it as it goes into this game. Yeah, just like a Kanye West album back when you before they started to suck. Uh, graduation, juicy thing, <laughs> love it. Um, Q, what do you got for us? Hits, simple as that. Hustle, intensity, turnovers, smart play. Um, the most important being T turnovers they need to they, they need to create a possession disparity somewhere like if so i've already talked plenty about if they stop the run if they because that's clearly the thing i'm most worried about but turnovers neutralize all that right turnovers get you more shots at the end zone than the opponent and i th- i think that this this i'm really not that worried about the offense here being able to score maybe i should be more worried but i mean i i feel like after watching that game from week 13 last year, it just felt like the bears got what they wanted for a lot of that game until some of the play calling started to really kind of go off the handle and it was, became more questionable, but with, with a more talent on this offense, I, I think that they will be able to put up a pretty decent amount of points. So that that's not what's worrying to me as much as are you stopping them from scoring points and the turnovers is the biggest part of that. And hustle, intensity, smarts can get you turnovers. I think that's kind of the, what hits all completely revolves around. Um, so that's really the theme I'm looking for. And I think in the comments, Scott Crawford has a great one. The theme will be Eberflus is a defensive genius. As I in the the video that Juice referenced about the Packer about Jordan Love and 
what you know his tape shows it's disguises or something that like i, I shouldn't even say disguises when he is getting a different look pre-snap than he gets post-snap stuff slows down for him and i mean you can say that about a lot of young qbs right i mean it's not that, that that's not rocket science that's not something that's otherworldly but it's something that was noticeable on his tape, which means it's something to try to use against him, um, which I expect Eberflus to do. I think they're going to be showing double-A gap linebackers coming for him, and they both drop out, or maybe one drops out the next time. Maybe they both come the next time. Hit, hitting that level of um, deception out there, that's actually how I, how, I, how I labeled the files on my computer as I was pulling them. It was like honest or deceiving. Those were the two fronts that I was looking for. And it's like, you know, not everything fits in the box perfectly, but you're trying to organize them into that. And on some of them, it seemed like it was as much as a twitch from a linebacker, right? The snap and love was going to the check down. Like it was as simple as that sometimes, which again, there could very well be more there than I know, but that's what it looked like to me was he, he was very focused on having the right answer and not just playing football and the right answer is not always the right answer. You know, like it's, it's as simple as that. Sometimes it's really their offense felt like it felt like Trubisky running the Nagy offense in 2020, uh, the second half of 2020, where everything was out towards the sideline, everything was super safe. And except for when it wasn't there or when he got something he wasn't expecting, then he's rolling out to the sideline and throwing a, a duck that could be intercepted. Yeah, I agree completely. Uh, just revisiting Scott's real quick. Theme will be Eberflus is a defensive genius, as, as Key elaborated on there. We got another one here from Aldo saying, theme rebirth. And I'm going to kind of build off of Aldo's here. He says his theme is rebirth. My theme for this Bears team on Sunday is set the tone. I'm gonna take a, I'm gonna take a little, I'm gonna steal a little, a little expression from um, Matt Nagy Stan, Mister NWI Steve. It set the tone because if this Bears team can come out on Sunday and metaphorically and symbolically punch the Packers in the mouth early, this Packers team is at a time in where it's changing in the guard where that's how teams just crumble and fall apart and cower back and, and try to regroup, right? This And that's all facets of the game, right? If the Bears are kicking off, if he catches that that kick and come, brings it out, big hit immediately right on the first, right, right out the bat, right? If the Bears are on defense first, big hits, right? More of what we saw from Kyler Gordon in this preseason, flying around, just crushing people. Again, the hits principle – being in full effect, I think builds into my theme as well, Q, of setting the tone. Like this Bears team can come out and set the tone quickly. And that's even in the in, in the run game, right? Finish runs. Like I want Deontay Foreman in there rolling over the Packers linebackers. I want Khalil Herbert running away from guys and just, you know, showing off some of that burner speed we got from him a year ago. I want to see a, a, a healthy dose of Roshan Johnson because he can wear down a defense because of how physical he is as a runner. And then, as both of you have kind of mentioned, this is where then the Bears are different from a year ago, right? 
ground and pound, ground and pound, ground and pound, hit him in the mouth on defense. Oh, and then we can kill you in the pass game now because we have DJ Moore who in two games against the Packers, sure, his team didn't win those two games because the Panthers were atrocious, but he, he went for over, I think it was over 110 in both games in terms of yardage against the Panthers, against Jair, or against the Packers, against Jair Alexander. Punch him in the mouth immediately, right out of the gate. I, I want Jordan Love to, you kind of see him cower back into his turtle shell, right? I want him starting to ask his, you know, Matt LaFleur if he's too turtly for the turtle club. All right. That's what I want to see. <laughs> I want to see just, I want to see the Packers become scared. Truthfully is what I want this bears team to do. And that's what I want the theme to be on Sunday, because if they just set that tone early, the, this Packers team, I don't think is ready at this point in, in their traje- trajectory, pardon me to really respond, I think, the way that they t- traditionally would with a Aaron Rodgers at the helm. Scott says the Bears ended Trey Lance's career before it started. Time to do it to love. Um, Aldo followed up saying, would you mind an early roughing the passer penalty? You know, a nice karate chop to love's nuts. You know, sometimes you need a physical play, and if they call it a penalty, they call it a penalty. Obviously, these guys aren't out there headhunting. This isn't the Greg Williams New Orleans Saints defense from years ago. But set the tone, Right. Go get him. Go get him. I want Unique Ngakwe to bury him on third down on the first drive, right? Just set that tempo immediately. And uh, boss man Marchese here is saying Southside Ron loves set the tone. Ron does love set the tone. It, it's a great it's a great analogy. The only problem is you need to have a team that can actually implement it, Tony. And unfortunately, <laughs> on the south side, they don't have much of that right now, which is, is a travesty for you guys. Um and as Aldo follows up, a little Butkus intimidation. Absolutely. I like it. Gentlemen, Luke Butkus is the Packers O line coach, which just makes me so sad every time I see it. But it's it, that's like oh, that's like the equivalent. There was a rumor out there, not to go completely off the rails, but give Four Feathers podcast a little bit of love. There's a rumor out there that Patrick Kane would potentially consider re- reuniting with Alex DeBrinket in Detroit, and that would be the exact same thing. Yeah. It's just like, oh, like that just doesn't look right. And I, I agree with you. Any any butkus name in, in any green and yellow is just eh, doesn't yeah. feel right. Doesn't but feel right. Ron, to your point about setting the tone, I mean, I think it's important to recognize here you're gonna have two rookie tight ends playing in a team that loves 12 personnel. Like, I want the linebackers physical as hell with those kids. I want their welcome to the NFL moment to happen on Sunday. And I want them to be a little shook up by it. Like, I'm, I'm not saying go, like you said, headhunting or like targeting guys, but like, we're Bears defense is full grown men. The linebackers, they're big dudes, big, strong dudes who have mm-hmm. been in the NFL for years now and know what that means. They got to show those tight ends what's what at the NFL level, bring some, bring some punch to them. And I, I think that that is going to really impact Green Bay's offense. You know what they can cue. You know what they can do, Q. What? Bring the juice. That's what they Bring can do. Bring the juice. <laughs> Bring the juice, baby. And no, I, I I'm right there with you, man. I think there there's there's so much in terms of setting the tempo for the season in just this first game, right? And, and even for the rivalry. I mean, why why did every Bears fan get excited about Ryan Poles' hire? It's because he purposely went out of his way 
to say he plans to reclaim the NFC North. And that starts that starts Sunday, right? That's step one. You got the Packers in your building with a team that's on the up, a, a bright future, as Juice mentioned earlier, right? You've got the, the two first-rounders next year in the draft. Fuck, when was the last time the Bears had two first-round picks? Not in my team. lifetime. Yeah. Michael Haynes, Rex Grossman, <laughs> maybe. Okay. Oh, four. I was, I was still like accidentally pissing in my underwear because I was barely potty trained at that point. It's been a hot minute, about right. right? Since they that's, that's your weekend still. <laughs> yeah. Sometimes, depends on the day. It just, it's been so long though, right? That those teams had hope both on the field and into the future, right? Because in 04, you know, sure, in that draft, they took two first round picks, but the Bears were no, you know, no way ready to contend. None. Yeah. Now, sure, would you say they're ready to contend? Maybe not. Maybe they are an eight team win this year or seven, you know, win team this year. But they're on a, a more up and up trajectory than the Bears were the last time they had two first round picks. I think, again, I, I really just Sunday is one game, right? It's take it one game at a time. That philosophy very much applies. But you can really set the tone for the rest of this season, for the next three years, hell, maybe even the next five years. Just letting the NFC North know that the Bears aren't going to be the laughing stock of the division, and they're actually truly coming to re- re- regain that you know NFC North crown at the end of the day. Juice, anything else you want to add here on on theme before we uh, move to our next topic? I got a question for Q because he's watched so much tape. He's gone through Jordan Love. I've been listening to a lot of stuff, been trying to read a bunch of stuff, jumping over to you know the Packers side of it. Is Jordan Love good, dude? Like your honest opinion, watching as many snaps as you had. I just want to prepare myself for Sunday because I, I really truly don't want to be blindsided by the fact that the, the Bears are gonna have or the Packers are gonna have yet another franchise quarterback, and my whole life has been that. So what I will say to his credit, like his first start, his only start in his career against Kansas City, he was going up against D-line with Chris Jones and Steve Spagnola calling blitzes all over him. He looked awful. Like he looked – it was – that was an ugly, ugly game for a quarterback. And he didn't have much hope either. Like it was like his best hope was just toss it up to Devontae Adams and see if he comes down with it most of the time. But – after that, he like this past at the end of that season, he played the entire second half against Detroit in week 18. And then this past year, he played what a good portion of the fourth quarter against the Eagles. Um, he looked better in each one, so I will give him that, but he still just had those what the hell moments in the Detroit game. In the Philly game, it was such a small sample size, and a lot of it was like his numbers were fine, but um, it was really he hit one one throw over the middle of the field that was really well designed, worked out exactly like it's supposed to, and Christian Watson took it to the house from there. But the the main thing I took away from most of his tape was thrown over the middle of the field has been really dangerous for him a lot of balls that can be intercepted. He seems more comfortable going to the sidelines. And for that reason, he goes to the sidelines a lot more often. Um, We will see how that changes as he gets more comfortable. Um, Personally, I mean, I'm a big believer of if, 
if anyone out there really wants to find out more about Jordan Love, I would suggest going watching Robert Schmitz's video. It's outstanding. Mm-hmm. Like I say that I put work in, he put 10 times the amount of work in on it. Like he went back to his college tape, watched preseason tape, like as much as he could possibly get. And the main takeaway that he had that I, I, I see similar, like I, I see pretty similar to him is Jordan Love could probably be a Jimmy G in due time. Like he could be a Shanahan style quarterback mm. who he, he has the answers and he's going to do what he's supposed to and nothing more, rarely less, and just consistently doing exactly what he needs to. Now that might sound nice, but then you realize Jimmy G had Debo Samuel, Brandon, IU, George Kittle. I mean, there's a lot of talent on that 49ers team. Trent Williams is protecting for him. I mean, there's that makes it a lot easier to get to the right answers quickly when your right answers are always doing the right things. So that's kind of where I'm where I'm at with Jordan Love of like, how much talent do you need to be that successful as a quarterback in that type of system? Like how I think without the talent around you, you need quite a bit. And I'm not sure that I'm a believer in Jordan Love at this point, but I also hate to uh, tear down a kid who's younger than me. So, <laughs> sure. I just feel like, and I don't know if anybody else has felt this way, but like listening to stuff, it, it's it's very like vague when people talk about Jordan Love and his potential yeah. and, and what he could be. I'll tell you. And I feel like there's just not yeah. a lot of yeah, and I feel like there's just not a lot yeah. of honest information out there either. Well, I because there's not a lot of information out there. I think is really the thing. Right. I mean, I'm talking about, I'm watching his nine throws from the fourth quarter when they're trailing <laughs> against the Eagles and the Eagles are running vanilla coverages. Like, I don't know what to do with that at the end of the day. I'm trying mm-hmm. to find answers, but like, it's either that or you're just relying on Spagnola's blitz hell defense that no one does well against when he pulls all out all the stops. Like, I mean, Tom Brady can do well against it, but who wants to be held up to that standard, you know? So it's, it's tough. And, it's weird. Like watching his tape is just, it's kind of weird sometimes because you hear about him as this, he's athletic. He has a cannon. He, and he can get out on the move and do some special things with his arm. That's what he was sold on. Right. And his arm talent, like there were one or two throws where I was like, okay, okay, Jordan love. I see you like that. That was, that was a, a dime ball. One or two of those in all that. But there's a lot of misfires, too, especially on the move, which was supposed to be something that he was capable of and like a selling point for him, which I'm just I don't know what to do with right now, because like a few of them look like he started to throw and then was kind of like, oh, no, I can't do that. So he just kind of dirted it. But But there were a lot of them. And a guy whose strength was supposed to be his ability to get out of the pocket and drill throws. It, it wasn't happening. So I'm, I, I don't know what his strength is at that point. Once you take that away, aside from just playing on time and having the occasional dime ball. I, I think it's interesting you what you mentioned too, right? Because going back to Scott's comment a little bit earlier in the show here about the theme being Eberflus is a defensive genius. If I'm a defensive coordinator and your exact sentence that you said, anytime he throws over the middle, it gets suspect. If I'm Eberflus, I'm licking my chops because my entire defense is designed to force you to the middle. 
yeah. is designed to force you to Tremaine Edmonds and Eddie Jackson and Jaquan Brisker and Kyler Gordon in the slot. Like it is completely designed to get to your defensive playmakers. And if Jordan Love is comfortable on the sideline, he's going to have a hell of a day with Tyreek Stevenson and Jalen Johnson pressing Watson and Dubs and all these other guys. And just, you know, and that's something too, I think we're maybe forgetting a little bit. Alan Lazard's gone. And he was by far their best receiver a season ago, right? I don't care about Randall Cobb, even though he always finds a way to piss me off as a, as a Packer. But he's gone too, thankfully. But your best receiver is gone. Yes, Christian Watson had a very solid second half to his rookie season. I will not take that away from him. But that's one weapon, right? You can neutralize one weapon, especially a young receiver who maybe isn't the best route runner, who which is a huge knock on a guy like Christian Watson. I, I am very intrigued to see how Eberflus attacks Jordan, Jordan Love on Sunday. And I think a lot of that is going to be if, if they execute the Tampa 2 concept properly – it could make for a really interesting day from a guy like Jordan Love. Quickly, just a comment here uh, that I have to love because I think it's fantastic. A couple of other times the Bears had multiple first-round picks. 1979, the Bears drafted Dan Hampton and Al Harrison round one in 83. They took Galt and Covert. I would say the Bears have had a lot of success um, in the well in the earlier years when they had two first-round picks. But Sayers were back-to-back first-round picks in the 60s. Um, the latest one, not so great. Michael Haynes was an okay NFL player. I, w- I won't say he was awful. He was, he was decent. Yeah. Um, and we all know the story of Rex Grossman, so that's neither here nor hey, there. That man went to a Super Bowl. He sure did. And he he was he was carried in in the you know the fire you know the fireman's carry um, by that the, that 2016. The next <laughs> time. Yeah. Isn't the next time you want to overreact to a player through four weeks of the season, just remember Rex Grossman was like second in MVP odds through four weeks of 2006. Oh, man. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> that just gave me a little bit of heartburn. Like that, I had a, I had the like, that was acid reflux coming up right there that I had to just ease down back down because that that could have gotten bad gentlemen moving on to our next topic here kind of along the same lines of what we've been talking about so it's not a drastic change by any means just players to watch guys that you are focused in on on sunday and saying i'm watching this guy because he's gonna he's a a guy to me that's an x factor or he's a guy that i'm expecting a lot out of or he's a guy that the bears just quite frankly need enough out of to get the job done two players don't go crazy, but just want to hear you guys' thoughts. Q, I'm going to let you start this one off again as well. Who are your players to watch for the Bears coming into Sunday's matchup? So on defense, like I can go anyone on the interior D-line, but they are they are the key for this game to me. Um, so I'll probably go with Billings because he's the guy who I expect to play the most snaps and be the most constant out there on the field. So Andrew Billings. Ability to keep linebackers clean, let them fill in run lanes and make tackles, just keep the blockers off of them and pitch in a little here and there of getting in on tackles. Nose tackle is a weird position. Like it doesn't, it, it it doesn't get stats, it doesn't get the the glory or the praise, but it matters a lot, especially when the rest of your D line might be suspect in the at stuffing up the run and keeping linebackers clean, having a guy who can hold up two blockers goes a long way. Um, so 
Andrew Billings is the guy for me. And then with a, a little, little uh, honorable mention to Javon Dexter when he's in there, I'm very interested to see how he holds up against the run because I really enjoyed watching him in college hold up against the run. It was just fun. Um, but then on offense, it's uh, – I'm going to be watching Darnell Wright a lot just because mm-hmm. I'm – like from my own perspective, I want to see how he does and I want to watch it closely. But for this game, for the importance of this game, I'm going with Lucas Patrick. He's mm. just announced he's starting at center and I need to see that he is doing a serviceable job because there were a lot of times last year where it was questionable whether he was serviceable out there. Well said. Juice, who are your players to watch? Well, I was going to go with Lucas Patrick, too. I think the fill-in on whoever plays the offensive line is definitely going to play a huge role in this game. Definitely got to be able to establish the run. Um, but I'm going to go with a guy a little off of that. I'm going to go with Chase Claypool. And I'm going to be watching Chase Claypool for a lot in this season, only because the Bears need to make that relationship work, I think, in a lot of ways. They spent a good amount of capital to bring him in. They're expecting him to be that you know, third head of the two-head monster. Now with, you know, DJ Moore and with uh, a healthy um, uh, Mooney. Uh, Mooney, yeah. Um, and two good tight ends, you're, you're really looking for that third head, right? If you can if you can get things out of Claypool, these things start to really set, you know, motion. And this offense really starts to take its shape because you know what the offensive line – can be when they're healthy, now that they move some guys around. And also, too, with the run game, you know you can always lean on that. So that gives them Justin more and more you know, weapons to, to distribute the ball to as well. But, yeah, I'm really looking at Claypool. That's that's a season-long one, one for me as well because he's playing for a contract. He's playing for his future. I want to see him play hungry. I think that's something that if he can do that, the Bears – I talk about Nick Madrigal and found money on the Cubs on tap stuff. That that could be your Chase Claypool. Claypool has a great year. That's that's a lot of found money too. Maybe a lot of guys who are counting him out and saying, "Oh, we shouldn't have gave up," you know, that second round pick for him, which ended up being a first. Um, you know, maybe you start to prove some guys wrong and this offense starts to take some shape. In terms of the defense, I'm looking at John Brisker all day, man. You were talking earlier about. Jordan Love and thrown over the middle. I want him to be that guy who makes that play because he's talked all week. Oh, I hate the Packers. They didn't see me last year. Now they're going to see me back it up, kid. I want you to, to be that difference maker, get a turnover, you know, talk. We talked earlier about getting that possession, you know, discrepancy where, you know, the bears are having more cracks at the egg. I want Brisker to be that guy. And maybe, maybe in terms too, we setting some lumber down early on in the game, man. If, if he's going to look to one of those checkdowns, I want him coming down the hill and, and, and laying some lumber, man. It'd be cool to, you know, erupt in that 319 section I'll be in on Sunday right off the bat from a, from a brisker hit, man. It would be it'd be great. And also, too, maybe I'm later in the game. Maybe you get a, a, a pick or a, a fumble recovery, force fumble, something like that, because these it seems like over the course of this year, those corners and that that back seven is going to have to create a lot of the turnovers and, and do a lot of the work because the bears are working with a defensive line that is not fully NFL established yet. You know, you've got a lot of rookies 
got a lot of guys they brought in off the scrap heap. They're trying to, you know, make names for themselves in the league. So that back seven, hopefully they, they're not being blocked left and right, but also to like force some turnovers and, and let's, uh, let's blow the roof off. That doesn't exist. A soldier field fans too, man. Like I fourth phase, I hope it's so freaking loud in there that Jordan Love can't hear. That's we, we did that for Aaron Rodgers often and often and often, and he didn't care about it, would beat us anyway. But Jordan Love hasn't been in that environment. So let's put him in it. Let's see how he responds. I think I like there's that. a there's something to be said for like when the Bears have been good, Jordan or uh, Aaron Rodgers struggled against the Bears more than just about anyone. Because I think you're right. I think how loud the stadium got when he was there, like, was just something different. Um, and I mean, you think back to Lovey years. Lovey was actually pretty darn good against Aaron Rodgers for a good stretch there. Um, and the Bears always forced more turnovers against him than he had against anyone else. And it was, I think, the stadium had something to do with it. I, I like that a lot. And well, coming from the comments here, Aldo, with his two to watch, uh, sharing one with you, Juice Brisker's return. Uh, he hopes, uh, obviously, there's some health concerns with Brisker, but he is number one in the depth chart. He, optimism appears that he is going to play. Um, but he also says Tremaine Edmonds not looking 100% in that Bills game. Obviously, it was the first game action we really saw Edmonds in for most of the preseason. Um, so that is another name that Aldo says to keep an eye on. Uh, I'm actually kind of going into two areas of the of the team here, or two position groups of the team that each of you covered uh, on one occasion. I'm going to follow Q down to the trenches on the offensive side of the ball. And as, as much as I'm going to watch Darnell Wright and as much as I'm going to watch Lucas Patrick, I'm actually very intrigued to see what Braxton Jones does in week one. And I think a large part of that is from the idea of I want to see that second-year growth, especially in the pass game, right? We all know the run blocker he is. He's a very strong run blocker. He's a hell of an athlete, especially when they get him out in space. I want to see what he looks like against probably more often than not your best rush option from the Packers, right? You, you, more often than not, it's to the QB's blind side. I really want to see how Braxton Jones holds up. And if left, if left tackle is truly solved by a fifth round pick, which that's incredible value. Good job, Ryan Poles. Or if that's a position of maybe not immediate concern, but future looking concern where they say either he needs to figure it out or we're drafting his replacement in a round higher than the fifth on the defensive side. I'm going to venture to the secondary just as juice did, but I'm going with Brisker's running mate. And that's Eddie Jackson. I need the ball Hawk to be the ball Hawk. He had a week one pick last year in that monsoon game against the 49ers. I want him to have another turnover in this game. If force a, a, you know, let the corners jam those receivers, let them force an errant throw from love and let Eddie Jackson be Eddie Jackson and just, absolutely steal one away from Jordan Love. I think that are the, those are the two guys that I'm really keeping an eye on entering week one against these Packers. Because again, tell you what, man, Eddie Jackson is that dude. Oh, I love, I know. I love it. He is that dude. I've, I've got Eddie's Jersey before he changed his number. Oh. It's a, that's a, you know, it's, it's, it, it still gets used in the rotation too. It's fun wearing it and people go, who's 39. And I'm like, it's old. It's outdated. All right. <laughs> Forgive me. 
I got it when I didn't think they were going to make, you know, the number rule a thing and he was going to change his number. But nonetheless, gents, wanted to get to a discussion here about uh, something that Q actually recommended here for our rundown uh, before we wrap up with some hot takes and score predictions uh, for Sunday's game. And that is Getze's performance in week 13 last year against the Packers. Q, I want to let you take it away and Juice and I will chime in as we see fit. Yeah, I've got some notes here of just like going through, like, I, as I mentioned, I watched the get the Bears week 13 game from last year uh, for, for my tape study. And it just, it got me thinking more about it again. Cause I didn't dive that much into it last year. I just remember seeing all the, all the headlines and feeling like it after the game, like, Man, that was that was a rough second half of play calling. Um, and that's gonna matter a lot going in this game. If the Bears are leading by a score at half or something like that, it's gonna be on my mind. How is how is Getsy gonna handle this? How are the, how is the Bears coaching staff in general handling this? Because maybe it was maybe it was Eberflus calling up and saying we gotta be safe, we gotta be safe. But to give you a rundown, the Bears went in in the half with a 16 to 10 lead. And they had scored on three of their four possessions. The only drive they didn't score on was one where Chase Claypool fumbled in Green Bay territories. They were on their way to score, it seemed like. So, I mean, they were just, they were batting a thousand almost. And to that point, Fields was seven and nine passing, 126 yards. So that's, that's what, something like 13 yards an attempt. I mean, almost 18 yards a, a completion. Like he was, he was balling out. And in total, he did count. 200 or 197 yards on 13 plays so 15 yards per play he was having the game like one of the, his best games of the year and to that point at halftime the bears had thrown on six of their 10 first down plays so they were they were throwing on first down at a, at a pretty league standard rate and fields was five of six in those plays for 100 yards 17 yards in attempt so you're seeing Passing on first down has been working for us this game. Maybe they want to keep it up. I don't know. They didn't. Um, and to that point, they'd rushed for 11 yards on four first down rush attempts. So the, the the first down running offense was pretty, pretty rough in that first half. So in the second half, before they were – because we, we all know how it went. The Bears end up losing the lead with four minutes left, and then it's – Obviously, it's going to be pass every first down from that point on, right? So I, so I didn't count those plays. But after excluding that, they had seven more plays on first and 10. And four of those over half were rush attempts. They went for a total of seven yards. He had three, they had three more pass attempts. Two of those were screens that lost yardage. So, I mean, a, a screen pass to me isn't the same as a, a pass attempt. Like, it's... You're not really reading. It's like it's a predetermined read. You're just boom, snap, out. Screen's a little different. So they only had one true pass attempt on first down the rest of the, the, rest of the game until it was panic mode. And that one went for 46 yards. <laughs> so it was just kind of like, what are we doing here? Why did we take the ball out of Justin Fields' hands? Because that, that's exactly what they did. They were consistently behind the chains on second down because of all those first down runs, the first down screens that lost yards that I, I think I mentioned that they both went for negative yards. Like that is, that's not okay. Again, this year, like last year I was able to say, ha maybe they're tanking, you know, 
but this year that's not that's not where my head's at that's not where anyone's head is at that needs to be better yeah and in the word you, did, you used go ahead just Q, did did Green Bay stay more in their base defense that they were playing in the first half too in that game based on yeah, your knowledge? So they they ran a lot more just playing cover three with a spy in the first half, and the second half they started running more quarters. They started doing a bit more, uh, a little bit of cover six in there, like quarter quarter half. Um, but honestly, the Bears uh, when they passed against that stuff, they did well. I mean, that's where. Quarter, uh, quarters was what they they hit the um, 50-yard touchdown. I think it was a touchdown uh, on Jair Alexander to EQ on. It was like, because quarters, think of it, you don't have help behind you. Like, you, you're going to have shots right. downfield against it if, if, if the play works correctly. But cover three is probably tougher to get chunk yards against because you're saying we got three deep guys and they are, they are playing safe, right, for the most mm-hmm. part. Yeah, I mean that that's an interesting thing because I, I feel like that was a a topic of conversation in more than just one game, too, Q, right? Obviously we're focusing on it from a Packers standpoint, but there were a lot of games where all of a sudden you like notice a change in game, you know, how they call the game, and you're like, Why are you I, I get it, teams make adjustments at halftime. I I, I played football, you know, I, trust me, I I remember those halftime adjustment talks, and it's real, like yeah. The good coaches will make good adjustments at half. That is they're just, small. Yeah. And they're not like like they're just tweaks, but like they are they do happen. Yeah, but that's sometimes that's all you need. Or it's just, hey, what did you see? Because at least from my experience, right? And obviously this was at a collegiate level versus the pro level, but even at a pro level, right? You would think as a coach, I'm absolutely going in and asking my receivers and my quarterback, hey, what did you guys see out there as we called the offense that you were like, shit, I wish we would have been able to check with that. Because that who's got better vantage point than the guys on the field, right? So to see that change, and, and Q, you used the word in our in our chat a little bit earlier, sabotage, right? It almost felt like sabotage. The way that Getsy changed the play call. Kind of going back to that set the tone, right? Yeah. Foot on the gas. There's no stopping. No, oh, let's play conservative after the half because we have a lead. Go bury these Packers. Because – they showed for a half of football last year that they could beat this team. They were leading at the half. They were doing a lot of good shit. And that was right in that run when Justin was really starting to kind of take some growth in his second year. Just you like that to me would be the biggest travesty of not only this game, but of the season is if the coaching staff sabotages some of the team's success as well, not just the players on the field. Gentlemen, if there's no more thoughts, we'll get to some of the closing remarks here. We got two quick things for you. Does anybody have a hot take for this coming game that they would like to share? doesn't have to be very elaborate. can be very quick. I got a quick one, but I, I want to know if you guys got some. Or if you need a second, I'll happily share mine first um, and, and let you guys boil over on the question here. And my hot take is uh, Jordan Love's going to throw three picks on Sunday. I'll even give you the three that are, are taking the ball away, too. One of them's going to TJ Edwards, one of them's going to Eddie Jackson, and one of them's going to Tyreek Stevenson. And if those three hit, I'm going and playing the lottery the next day. <laughs> you get that in the same game parlay? Yeah, I might try to. <laughs> I might try to. But 
I really do think because the way that the Bears run their defense, the Tampa 2 is designed to compress to the middle. If Jordan Love is truly going to struggle throwing over the middle, the Bears are going to have opportunities to takeaways. I think they establish that and they take care of business on that front. My hot take, three picks, Jordan Love, Sunday. So I got one. And really, it some of it feeds back to what we saw towards the end of last year with Kyler Gordon. It seemed like seemed like a something flipped in his head, and it just it all started to make more sense. And especially with him, he seems really eager for his role in the nickel. I think that between that and what I expect the Bears' defensive front to be doing in this game, which I think a lot of simulated pressures, a lot of stunts, a lot of you know, there's D lineman dropping into coverage and nickel coming instead stuff to try to to generate that pressure, to manufacture that pressure. I think Gordon is going to get a sack and an interception. Mm, that's spicy. I like it. I, I love a good, good hot take, uh, especially when it involves one player, right? Like, I, I bet this dude has a balling game, and then he goes out and does it, and Q's going to be walking around with a big chest on, on Monday <laughs> like, I fucking told you. Yeah. I told you. <laughs> But I didn't bet it, damn it. <laughs> yeah, right? Because that's always how it happens. You don't bet it and it happens. Yeah. And then you're like, son of a bitch, it's just a little bit of a sprinkle. But when you when you do the sprinkle, that's when it doesn't happen. It's weird reverse psychology. Juice, do you have a hot take for us, sir? I have a hot take because the Bears never do this, but the Bears will score this Sunday on a screenplay towards Rasul Douglas' side. Q, I picked up your – doesn't like to get in and get in the mix up. And I was thinking, I'm like, man, what would be the best way to earlier early on in this game, set a tone offensively, get Justin in a, in a, in a rhythm to over, you know, overplay this screen and this defensive line is trying to get up field, make some pressure on just, I, I think we get an early screen, maybe in the first or second quarter for a touchdown. And I want it on, on Douglas's side. I think what you said is, genius watching him you know cower away from justin in terms of what uh, that 60 yard touchdown in, in week 13 i i didn't notice it i know the bears are noticing it and and i I'd, I'd run at that side or i'd, I'd find a, a screen towards his his side to be kind of in the play yeah. make him make a tackle because i think that that was something that really jumped out to me in your breakdown yeah that was funny to notice too because like when i was uh I was watching that play. I was watching it over and over, trying to figure out one guy's responsibility. And then, because I thought that that guy was like the, the outermost player, right? And I was just watching from the, the end zone view. So you just have the box and you see this guy come in. And then I wasn't watching the very end of the play. I just kept going like back and forth on this one part. And then I finally like go through. I was like, where the hell did that guy come from? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, that guy shouldn't mm-hmm. be all the way over there. Like, I mean, I, I don't. It, it made it seem to me like Rizal Douglas is a little. Um, and, and I feel like you get this with a lot of different cornerbacks, but a little like I'm not worried about the run. That's not what I do. And when you get five picks a year, I think you kind of earn that right a little bit. But also, sure. I think that it does give teams opportunities to go attack you. And I mean, there, there was a play that I did that didn't end up making the cutting tape uh, of the, of that game where 
Russell Douglas stuffed a screen well, but was also it, it wasn't much. It was like one blocker. You know, if you're bringing okay. the line out there at his side with a running back, I think it's a little different. But like it was a wide receiver screen with one lead guy ahead of him, and Russell Douglas played it well. So I think getting a running back out there with pulling linemen is a little different, and it's something that I I can definitely get behind because I don't I don't know that Russell Douglas wants that heat. I like it. Him take five steps towards his his post steps towards the play was the funniest part yeah. of that video that you made. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I, good spicy takes, gentlemen. Quickly, to wrap this thing up, score predictions. Q? I got Bears 27 to 24. I like it. I like it. I like it. And Ultimately, again, or no, 23. 23. Excuse me. Okay. Not three touchdowns for the Packers. Two touchdowns and a bunch of field goals. I think Jordan Love is going to struggle in the red zone. But I, like I think they're going to move it. the ball fairly well between the 20s. Yeah. And a quick shout out to, I'm sure that's your score as well, potentially in your preview analysis. So yes, I'm going to encourage everybody to wander over to ontasportset.com and go give that a, a look. It's under the Bears section. You can't miss it. Q. Thank you, sir. Juice. Score prediction. I'm going to go 34-19. Bears. Oh, I like that. I like that. I like that energy. I'm going to I'm going to kind of go along those lines with you juice. I'm not going to give the Packers as much credit though. I'm going to say the Bears 31 and the Packers 10. Um I think I wow. think this is a I think it's a throttling. I think it's a throttling. And if it oh, if it's a bad right. take, it's a bad take. But if they come out and they throttle them on Sunday, I'm going to be an arrogant piece of shit on social media. Oh, I'll, we'll all be insufferable. I'm going to get kicked in out of 319 if this if that's how this goes. <laughs> I've never been kicked out of my seats. I may be just straight insufferable. It it might get bad. It might get bad, and uh, I'm 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 going to be right there with you, Juice, at the at the forefront of of the lead. Gentlemen, as always, appreciate you guys. We got a nice compliment from all those. A great show, gents. Keep it up. We appreciate that. We hope everybody liked the new kind of style of what Bears on Tap is going to be this year. We're still going to incorporate game talk, but it's going to be a little more specified and not just so much, oh, well, this is what happened, and this is what we think, and this is what we do, because that's every Bears show in Chicago. So we hope you bring a little bit of different flavor uh, to you guys via us here at Bears on Tap. Before we get out here, I want to remind everybody, Bears on Tap is one of two Bears podcasts here at the On Tap Sports Network, as we mentioned earlier. Go check out our friends over at the Bears Nation pod. They do a great job every Monday, every Wednesday during the season. Recap and preview show. Be sure to check those out. We'll be sandwiched right in the middle. Traditionally on Tuesdays, you might hear from us more than once during the season. Who knows? There's going to be endless opportunities as we uh, just continue to do things a little differently here at Bears on Tap because it's fun and we like to be different. And who likes to be the same as everybody else anyway? It makes it more fun that way. At Bears Nation Pod on the socials is where you can find them. We're at Bears on Tap. Be sure to follow all of us at Juice on Tap, at Loose on Tap. The greatest Twitter account on the history of the earth at Butkus Stats. Uh, Be sure to give all of us a follow. And you guys know the drill. Blackhawks. Bulls, they're coming up. Be sure to tune in with those shows as well. Bulls on tap going live tomorrow. Big shout out to Buzz and, and Goose. Uh, they'll be live on the on tap sports at YouTube tomorrow evening. Tomorrow being Wednesday evening for those that are listening to this in podcast form. Um, and Four Feathers will be booting up soon again too. You'll hear my ugly mug on that show as well because uh, I just have too many things to do and it's it's more fun that way. 
And Cubs and Sox also covered as uh, baseball gets into the home stretch here. Uh, as Scott asked a little bit earlier in the comments, who wins more games the rest of the year, the Bears or the White Sox? I would love to take the Bears. Uh, just probability-wise, I would say it's probably the White Sox because they play more games. But, hey, how cool would it be? Uh, especially because we have a, a – a, for those that didn't know, this is a Bears on Tap crew of Cubs fans. Um, I think we would all enjoy watching the Bears win more games than the White Sox for sure for the I've rest got- of the year. One note before we're done. You can keep going. So that's why I did. Okay, beautiful. Well, I'll turn it over to some final thoughts. Uh, but just to wrap up my spiel that you guys hear every single show, and I'm sure most people skip through anyway, which I respect, ontapsports.com, at ontapsports.net on the socials, ontapsports network. Go and check out what's on tap. Be sure to subscribe, hit like, hit the little bell button too on the YouTube, and you'll always know when we go live. Gentlemen, final thoughts. Toss it around. Q, you go ahead and start us off, buddy. Yeah. I just want to close out with a so. In a lot of my writing, I like to use quotes, but anyone who's ever tried to find sports quotes knows how hard it is because everything just turns into motivational quotes from this guy. And it's like, that's not what I want. That's not what I'm looking for. And I learned today that chat GPT is a great tool to get what you want for that type of stuff. But it gave me a quote that I'd never, never heard before. And I, I mean, who knows? maybe it made it up. I don't know, but because it's from unknown, but it got me hyped up. And I want to do my part to get the masses hyped up, whoever's listening, of, quote, the Bears-Packers rivalry is a reminder that in football, history matters. The legacy of this rivalry is carried on by each generation of players and fans who understand its significance. And reading that, I just, it's about time for Chicago to make this a rivalry again. It's about damn time. Mm. I love that. I love that. Juice. Final thought. I don't know how I follow that other than history will be made in the South lot this Sunday. I will be throwing an awesome tailgate. If anybody listens to this show, wants to drop by, have a beer, please do. South lot. The original tailgate crew of the Outcast, Mr. Juice and Buzz, will be in attendance. We're, we're going to be throwing that on tap flag around, man. And I'll tell you what, it's a bad day to be a beer on Sunday. That's all I'm going to say. It's a bad day to be a beer and a bad day to be a Packer because it's going to be just one of those banner days, my friends. I don't know how I follow that. That motivational quote needs to be the end of the show. Q, you just got to read it again. <laughs> Absolutely does. Uh, Scott has a final thought uh, that came much earlier in the show. It's FTP, Bears by a Million. Um, as always, for those that are loyal Cubs on tap listeners, FTC, FTB, you know the drill. In this case, FTP, fuck the Packers. Um, yeah, Q, a quick bear down here, but give us that quote again, and that's how we're we're taking this thing out. Okay, I might have pulled back up. I just closed it, but I'm oh, no. only a moment oh, no. away. <laughs> oh, no. I got it. Here we go, baby. So... It's all the way to the bottom, of course. The Bears-Packers rivalry is a reminder that in football, history matters. The legacy of this rivalry is carried on by each generation of players and fans who understand its significance. Unknown. Let's go! Woo! Green Bay sucks.